Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Our reading tonight is 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 34, and we're going to be thinking about these verses in a few moments' time. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 17 and reading down to verse 34. It's page, uh, pages five, uh, 958 over onto 959 of the Pew Bibles. 958 into page 959. Uh, this is the apostles, uh, Apostle Paul's teaching on the Lord's Supper. Uh, Paul sets out uh, what communion means, how we're to understand it, and uh, he gives us some very helpful reminders in this passage as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. And this is God's word to us. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humili humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, at this point, let me say thank you to everyone who's been involved in our service this evening. Thank you to the praise group for leading our singing and also to those on tech uh, who have made sure that you can see and hear everything. And let me also welcome our new communicants. Uh, we're really thrilled to have such an encouraging number of people joining our church family. Uh, please know that we're praying for you, uh, that you'll really sense the Lord's presence at this time and also as the weekend approaches. Uh, tonight we're going to think about the passage that we read together earlier, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. Uh, we're going to pick out a few verses from that passage and think about them for a few moments. Uh, you'll find it on page 958 uh, oh, into 959. 958 into 959 of the Pew Bibles. 
And uh, what I want us to do tonight is think about what it means to take communion, what, what it is we're doing when we're taking communion. Uh, we thought about that a little bit in our membership classes together with the new communicants. But it's so easy to go through the motions and, and not really think about what we're doing or what's happening. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 is a really helpful passage that explains what's happening as we meet around the Lord's table and what we're to think about and what we're to do. Uh, you'll find it helpful to have that passage open in front of you. And before we think about it together, let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it guides us as we live for you and also that it guides us as a church. And we thank you that we have some really practical verses in 1 Corinthians 11 which tell us all about our, our spiritual posture as we approach your table. And we pray that as we consider these things tonight that you would help us to understand them and that you would help us to come to communion on Sunday expecting you to work in our hearts and lives. We pray that you'd focus us as we think about your word in these moments, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How good is your memory? Are you good at remembering things? If you're anything like me, uh, you'll have ways to help you remember things. Uh, one of the most essential items on my desk is a block of post-it notes, those small, sticky pieces of paper that you can write something on, and then stick up. I think I use post-it notes almost every day to help me remember things that I need to do in the day or to help me remember something important. One of, one of the challenges for us uh, as Christians is to remember who we are if we've trusted in the Lord Jesus. But because we're still living in a broken world and we battle on a daily basis with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, we battle with the world in the sense that it tempts us to walk away from Christ we battle with our own flesh, our own sinful desires and passions, and we battle with the devil who would lead us astray at any opportunity. The most significant challenge for us in the Christian life as we battle against these opponents is to remember that we have been rescued by the Lord Jesus. Thankfully, in his great, uh, great and divine wisdom, God has given us a visual aid to, to help us remember all that he has done for us. The Lord's Supper is loaded with meaning. It's an ordinance or command instituted by Jesus himself to remind his disciples of all ages that forgiveness and fellowship are at the heart of the church's life together. It has been said that in baptism, the new Christian goes public with their profession of faith. In baptism, we are saying publicly, I am with Jesus and his people. In the Lord's Supper, we're pledging ourselves to ongoing faithfulness to Christ and his people. We're saying by coming to the Lord's table that we're still needy of God's grace. We're committed to loving Christ and his people. We're saying that we are still with Jesus and with one another. Now think of it this way. Think of the church as a house. Baptism is the front door along with church membership. The, the, the Lord's Supper is the dining room table where we renew our vows of faithfulness to Christ's word. The Lord's Supper, naturally then, is for those who profess faith in Christ. The Supper is a sign of fellowship with Christ and his people. How, how should you take communion, though? I'm not really talking about how it's served, but what should be going on in our hearts, what should be going on in our minds as we eat the bread and drink the wine? 1 Corinthians 11 is a really helpful passage in that it gives us five looks. Let me take you through these five looks. The first look is the look up. 
Since God has invited us to his table, it's appropriate for us to acknowledge that he is central. He invites us to his table through Jesus. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we should be looking up and considering who God is. He's the unchanging God who is merciful and gracious. We sang something of that through our first hymn, 10,000 Reasons. We heard that in our call to worship. God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is the God who has loved even you and me. We should be amazed by the grace that God has shown us. That's why at communion we drill down right to the heart of the gospel during the sermon. We go back to the gospel that has so gloriously saved us and we remind ourselves of all that Jesus has done. That's the first look, the look up, the look up to God and to what he has done for us. The second look is the look in. When we look up at who God is, we're given an even better view of ourselves. The Lord's Supper gives us this opportunity In 1 Corinthians, Paul gives instructions for the church when they take the supper. And there are several warnings for those who would come take and eat. Just look at 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 28. Paul says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself or herself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The key phrase is, let a person examine himself or herself. Before we meet around the Lord's table, we should consider if there are sins that we need to confess before the Lord. We don't live a secret life. The the Lord sees it all. That's actually quite an unsettling truth, but the Bible is really clear. It tells us that God sees everything we do. To pretend that we're living in a bubble with no accountability to anyone is to act like there's no God. And to be guilty concerning the body and blood of, uh, and bo- body and blood of Jesus means to eat in a way that dishonors Christ. When you come to the Lord's Supper, it's a time to consider your own heart before the Lord. It's a time to clear accounts or confess sin. Now, there's an old phrase which goes something along the lines of, we should keep short accounts with God. Coming to the Lord's table means that we clear out the, 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 the sin that has landed in our entree. When you come to the Lord's Supper, it's also a time to make sure that you're genuinely clinging to Christ for your righteousness. The Bible is fundamentally clear. We can't approach God through our own righteousness. We can only approach him by the righteousness of Christ. There is a need for self-examination as we come to the Lord's table. Is there sin in our hearts and lives that needs dealt with? Are we looking only to Christ? We need to look in. Look up, look in, look back. That's our third look. The, 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 the Lord's Supper points us back. In the account of the Last Supper, Jesus uses the elements to instruct us about the cross. I just listened to Matthew's account of the, of the Last Supper. This is Matthew 26. 26 to 29. Matthew tells us, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
I tell you, I will not drink again of, of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new, in, new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus uses the, the simple elements of bread and wine to show that his, his body has been broken and his blood spilled for us. Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant. It's quite a vivid image. Jesus is saying that through his death, he will bring the benefits of the new covenant. Jeremiah outlines some of the details of the new covenant. Even though he was writing during the Old Testament period, he said this about the new covenant that Jesus would bring about. This is Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33. Behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The, the, the promised new covenant is here. God forgives sinners through the new covenant. It has a better priest and a better sacrifice. The blood of the lamb is sufficient to save sinners like you and me. The cup looks to the cross. In the Passover meal, there was a third cup of wine, and, and this was understood to be the cup of blessing. Jesus is saying that his blood on the cross is the cup of blessing. At the Lord's Supper, we partake of this blessing. We're regularly reminded that through the body and blood of Christ on the cross, he secured our standing in a new covenant. So the Lord's Supper makes us look back. As well as that, fourthly, it makes us look around. And this is perhaps the most challenging part of 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verses 28 and 29 again. Paul says, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who drink, eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Uh, Paul is, is dealing with a specific issue within the Corinthian church here. There's a, a lot of selfishness, and we know that selfishness is the root of all sin. But Paul is warning the church to examine their hearts and, and lives together. There's a need to discern the body. This means to know that you're part of a church family. Our church family is composed of different people with different experiences and, and various issues. But at least two things are in common. We are sinners and we are united together by faith in Christ. Therefore, if there are outstanding relational issues, they need to be worked out. We can't just bury stuff under the carpet. We have to deal with it. If it's sin, then it needs to be dealt with biblically. If there are issues of disagreement, we need to do our best to work them out. The, the, the Lord's Supper is a regular reminder that we are good with Jesus and that we are good with one another. If one or both of these is not true, then Paul says we shouldn't take the supper. If we are, then we're to enjoy this meal as we look around together, acknowledging the bond of unity. Look up, look in, look back, look around. And then fifthly and finally, look ahead. In the gospel accounts of the Last Supper, Jesus anticipates another meal. He says that he will not drink this cup again until he does so in the coming kingdom with his people. He's anticipating another meal. 
When we take the Lord's Supper, we are too. We're looking ahead to another meal with Jesus and his people. We're looking forward to the great marriage supper of the Lamb when the entire church is gathered together to boast in the great saving work of Christ. In, in Revelation 19, we read of, read of this great multitude gathered together from, from all nations and from all time. The Apostle John writes, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is the climax of the big story of the Bible. The story of the Bible begins with Adam and Eve eating and bringing sin into the world. They ate something they shouldn't have, and it had all sorts of awful consequences, the main consequence being death. Yet the story finishes with God's people, broken sinners who've been redeemed, eating and drinking at God's banquet. The story of the Bible begins with people eating something that ultimately brings death, and it finishes with people eating with God and feasting with him for all eternity. The great hope that we have as Christians is that one day we will be with our Lord and Savior forever. Communion services are unfinished meals. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We should rise from the table eagerly, looking forward to the day when we will feast with Jesus in his Father's kingdom. So, how should you take communion? Well, what should be going on in your heart and mind as we eat the bread and drink the wine? There are five looks that help us answer that question. Look up, look at what God has done for you. Look in, examine yourself. Are you living in a way that pleases the Lord? Is there sin in your life that needs to be dealt with? Look back. Look at the cross. Through Jesus, you have all the benefits of the new covenant. Look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ. And look ahead to the marriage feast. Our partaking of the Lord's Supper is just a foretaste of what's ahead in eternity. As you consider these five looks, you'll be reminded again that forgiveness and fellowship are at the heart of our lives together as Christians. It's always my prayer with, with, with pre-communion that you'll be drawn closer to the Lord as we come under his word and as we prepare to meet around his table. T tonight, this has been a, a really encouraging service for us as a church family. We've welcomed some new members into our congregation. The, the, these nights are great because we're seeing people give themselves to the Lord and to his church. And it's my prayer for all of us that we'd approach the Lord's Supper having had our spiritual memories jogged, that we'll look up, look in, look back, look around, and also look ahead. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we have considered your word, you would help us to 
take what you've said to us and apply it to our situation. We, we pray that before Sunday, you would help us with all of these five looks, that you would help us to look up, to look in, to look back, to look around, and also to look ahead. Father, we're so thankful that you're building your church here in Bukna, and we pray that as we welcome new communicants, that you would bless us as a church family. We pray that we would have a special sense of your presence in our time together on Sunday, that you would bless your word to us, and that you would bless our time together around your table as well. Father, we're thankful that we've been able to meet together tonight. We pray that you bless us and bless our conversation over tea and coffee as well. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.